Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and I'm so glad you joined us today. And I'm really glad that we have a chance to visit with an old friend of the show who's been with us a number of times now. And I just really love his insight and some of the information that he can share with us. A true expert in the business world for us. His name is Pat O'Keefe. He's the CEO of O'Keefe. And Pat, welcome to our show. Vic, glad to be here again. Appreciate the offer to talk about the economics and businesses. Yeah, what's going on? And of course, just to kind of put everybody in context for some of those that might have missed some of your other appearances on the show, give us a real quick rundown of what O'Keefe is and what it is that you specialize in do. Great. I appreciate that, Vic. Our firm is capsulizes strategic and financial advisory. So that really is for hired guns for special situations. And we are usually providing ownership, a depth and breadth of either resources or insight to handle a problem that is typically non-recurring in their life cycle. So what would that be? You know, it could be a merger, it could be an acquisition, it could be a troubled debt situation where the company's not able to pay the bank the money it owes them. It could be loss of a major customer, which is causing the operations to lose money. It could be, you know, a whole host of you know, things that sometimes put the company at risk and its future at risk, understanding that there's numerous stakeholders within companies that go beyond the owner. You have employees that are involved, customers, suppliers, and people who depend on companies to survive. So we're there to help ownership who often doesn't have an outside board to bring best practices from a series of different industries to help them make decisions. Well, Pat, I think that's pretty amazing because you kind of rush in when the house is on fire, if you will. But tell me, how do you do that from a business perspective to be top of mind? Because when you have these kind of hopefully rare situations, you've got to have people think, well, what do I do next? Or who do I call? Or how do I find help? So how do you place yourself top of mind for organizations like that? Well, Vic, I mean, that's a great question. And when you consider that 100% of our work is non-recurring. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unlike a traditional accounting firm or law firm who has a book of clients that they can depend on for work every day, ours is directly related to transactions. So once we complete a transaction, we don't necessarily see that client again unless they've got another transaction. So we depend a lot on word of mouth. I would tell you that work really hard at our branding. I mean, people generally know that we're a specialized firm, and that's been the result of a lot of initiatives that we had to be top of mind, as you've suggested. One of the things that we do is we do have a weekly vlog for business owners. It comes out on Fridays, and it deals with a topic in the business community that should be top of mind that we think owners should be addressing. And those topics really come from things that are current in the newspaper or come off of cases that we've just worked on where we've seen a special situation where the knowledge we've acquired might help other business owners. And, you know, we're really trying to influence the people who decide on our services. Mm, Yes. Well, I think it's fascinating because when you have that kind of an organization, you get a reputation and that kind of helps always, you know, the old issue of who you're going to call at the time when you need them the most. And so I just intrigued by that. And part of what I think does that for you, Pat, is a level of expertise that you and your team brings to the table. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love having you back on the show so much is because that level of expertise is something that people need to be aware of and understand that it's depth of knowledge that can give you the ability. And I guess, Pat, an uncomfortable question, 
is there times when you get stumped, when you go, wow, haven't seen that before. I got to believe after all these years, it's pretty rare. You know, it is. As I tell people, you know, for us, it's 90% process and 10% industry nuances. And we try to stay on top of, you know, the industry so that we're not surprised by anything. But, you know, we're problem solvers, plain yeah. and simple. And yeah. we bring a process that we can replicate in a lot of different areas. And our professionals have not just spent their whole career selling hours for dollars. They've actually had, you know, their hands on the wheel of in CEO or CFO capacities where we've had to make those decisions. And it's really recognized in the marketplace when you look at the number of situations where we get brought in to maybe operate companies, either as a chief restructuring officer, a receiver, or, you know, a coin court appointed position where people want the expertise that we bring into the business and into the situation where most people can't understand or, you know, don't really know how to take the first step. And so, you know, we bring a lot of expertise into transactions. So, Pat, and we've used this entire first segment on this topic. We've got so much to talk about. But I just wonder, in your situation, are there times when it's not a crisis, when O'Keefe would be called and would be a good solution just to come alongside and see if there's optimum ability to maybe enhance what's currently going on? It happens all the time. I mean, I'll give you a good example of a practice area that has really been growing for us, and that is creating liquidation events for business owners who don't have succession plans and want to exit their business and want to do it at the maximum amount possible. And you can't just wake up out of bed one day and decide you're going to sell your business. (laughs) There's a lot of planning and, you know, putting everything on the table and understanding the risks your business have and to be able to provide solutions and mitigate those risks so that a buyer who's coming in from the outside isn't telling you about them for the first time because uncertainty for a buyer impacts purchase price. It always lowers it. And so if you're trying to maximize the transaction, we want to be involved with our clients at the front and helping them plan. I can tell you, I probably serve on I'd say six or seven informal advisory boards that clients have seen, you know, the value that we bring as a firm who want our input before they make a major decision. That could be buying an additional line of business. That could be, you know, geographically expanding. That could be a whole host of things that are centered around business growth, but they really want our lens because we bring a different lens and we are risk mitigators right so if there's risk in a particular transaction the business owner may not see it and because of the vast amount of information and knowledge that we have in a variety of areas we can paint a picture for the business owner that will help them one of the things that we take very seriously and we express this to business owners is to be forewarned is to be forearmed (laughs) and so if you can you know figure out what the risk is most business owners are smart enough to figure out how to maneuver around it but they don't always see what that risk should be and we do a lot of alternative dispute resolutions where we're called in to really set the parameters for settlements of business disputes and so we get a chance to see you know how things evolve and you know what the courts will accept and what stakeholders should accept and what economics really drives the decisions there's the depth of the things you get into, and that's why we love having you here, and that's why we love that you take time to be with us here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We're going to be right back. The 
Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschero, and with us today is Pat O'Keefe, CEO of O'Keefe, and he is one knowledgeable individual that goes in, I guess, kind of like a firefighter and fixes a lot of other issues, but also I think his level of expertise is so exciting to me, and that's why I wanted to have him back on the show. Pat, when we talk about some of the things that go on out there, right now there is an interesting climate that's kind of brewing, and I just wonder if maybe with some of your expertise you can help us unpack some of the challenges that lie ahead from your point of view. Yeah, thanks, Vic. I mean, that is good insight. I mean, I believe that you know, our industry has been talking about this for the last four or five years and hasn't really seen it. But I think now with some of the economic things that are going on with increasing in interest rates, the economy slowing down, the free money's not available, that I think there's great consensus that we're heading into chaotic and changing times. And, you know, most business owners, they know how to make decisions. I mean, and they're risk takers and, you know, they understand what has to happen. But a lot of times they do it with bad information. And our goal is to really, if we can get everybody to agree on what the good information looks like, then we can all make decisions. And they ultimately have to lead to a plan. And I use this saying a lot because I believe it's really true in our business is from General Pat. And he always said a good plan timely executed is better than the perfect plan executed too late. Uh, wow. And what we don't want is to have business owners, you know, have a paralysis by analysis. And so at some point in time, you know, life is not a game of perfect and neither is business, that you've got to go with the best available information and you try to gather as much and as quick as you can, but then you got to make a move. And, you know, we try to help business owners really have the strength and the insight, you know, to make moves in their organization because, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of stakeholders. I mean, employees don't want to lose their job because the company's going out of business or shrinking. I mean, there's 3,000 employees at Ford that I'm sure are scratching their head wondering, you know, what the future holds for them. And I think business owners have a lot of responsibility, you know, to be good planners. And I would say almost all of them understand this. And with that becomes, it's a burden. It's really, you know, it motivates them to, you know, get to the right results. So Pat, let's take just a second, because this whole issue of paralysis, I think is something that a lot of companies can be struggling with. The reason why I say that is because in a leadership role, sometimes you get the position of, I just don't want to make a mistake because it could be costly to my career. It could be costly to the company. It could have damaging impact to our reputation, all of those things. So is there a way that you help people assess to try to determine when's the right time to pull that trigger? When's the right time to make that courageous move? Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah. So there's a level of bedside manner you have to have in diplomacy and dealing with a business owner. But at the end of the day, you know, what I find is best, especially when time is not my friend, is the unvarnished truth. Mm. And you really need to help leaders who may not have seen these kind of challenges really understand not only what's at risk, but to try to think out of the box. And as I tell business owners, 
you got to keep an open mind and not have any preconceived notions. And that sometimes things are driven by things you can't see. And so, you know, our ability to quickly provide insight on, you know, what the core business drivers are within the company. And I'll give you some examples of that because, you know, some of that, you know, like it's a lot of buzzwords relative yes, to it. Right, but, right. You know, a lot of business owners always want to grow the top line which, without really understanding where their profitability comes from. And they have all kinds of reasons as to why, you know, grow on the top line is important to them. And they take on unprofitable lines of business or the business that they take on doesn't lead to other business. So you take the position with, yeah, I'm doing this because I need it to get this client or I need to establish, you know, myself in the marketplace in this area I want to go. So I'm willing to take a loss leader. So, you know, the question is, okay, you know, for how long are you willing to make that investment? and you've been doing it for the last five years, what results have you had? And if the answer to that is nothing, then you have to question why the business is still functioning in that capacity. And I can tell you that a lot of business owners do not look at what really drives their business in terms of profitability. Yeah. They look at the bottom line, but they don't always look at you know the components of it and why they're doing certain things. I can't tell you the number of situations we've been into where companies are routinely losing gross margin on products and don't even understand it. And then when it's brought to their attention, you know the excuses is that well it helps me somewhere else, and there's no proof of that. Uh, yeah. And so you know you go through a certain series is you know what do you know and what can you prove, and you know sometimes what you can prove helps you you know, facilitate what you think you know. And so, you know, that's what we try to do with the business owners is to help them go through that exercise. And it leads to some interesting decisions in terms of forces that are impacting their business and, you know, really somewhat sobering. And we generally develop insights that are head scratchers for many business owners well, because they just don't think like we do. I think, Pat, it's just incredible. And it's a great reason why you at the table for any company would be a great conversation started to make sure we're on the right path and go in the right direction. I got to tell you, right now, the leadership lowdown is going the right direction, Pat. Thanks to you. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verser with Pat O'Keefe, CEO of O'Keefe. Wow, what a brain and what a mind that he's sharing with us today. I can't imagine if your company ever had him in what power that would go in terms of the conversation and the direction. And, of course, part of that is that oftentimes we run into some chaotic worlds and situations that happen along the way. And Pat, you've mentioned that there's a few different things that are going on. Give us some insight on some of the chaotic things that might be happening and we might be looking at as we start moving forward in this new economy. 
Well, you know, what's interesting, Vic, is we spend a lot of time on economics, you know, both local and globally, because a lot of our clients now are doing business all over the world. And a lot of times, you know, you can't get the information you need just by looking at current headlines. And, you know, we try to help business leaders, you know, chart their direction. And so sometimes, you know, we talk about what's not in the headlines. And there's some interesting things going on now. And, you know, hopeful that we'll be able to talk about a few. But, you know, one of the things that's not being paid a lot of attention to is the crisis in the Chinese housing market. Okay. So if you look at China, for instance, not unlike where Florida was many years ago, because we used to develop homes in Florida, is that the home buyer would go out and take a construction loan and they would actually make the draws directly to the builder and the builder would build the house versus what's typical in Michigan is that, you know, the builder typically has his own lines of credit that he borrows from the bank and he uses the bank's money to build the house. In China, you know, buyers would get their financing. Well, the problem is, and I don't think people have really paid much attention to this, is that there's been a great shortage of lumber, laborers, and issues with the supply chain. So you've had people in China with interruptions and stuff in their house not be built or moved for the last two or three years. So you have some cases where people have been paying on construction loans for a house that's still not built four or five years later. Oh, my. Yeah. I mean, a huge problem. So what's happened is that people have stopped paying. Uh-huh. They're saying, I've decided that you know I'm into this house for 30 or 40 percent of the purchase price I've agreed to with the builder, but he's not building my house. So it's better for me to just walk away and maybe not build the house because I'm paying for something that I can't use. Well, Pat, I'm kind of laughing because I'm thinking, go ahead, repossess it. What are you repossessing? There's nothing there, right? Well, yeah, and having had experience, there's nothing worse than having a weather-beaten, partially completed house in terms of maintaining the structural integrity. So true. So people are walking away. So what this has caused, Vic, is a banking crisis in China. And in a number of the provinces in China, they've actually closed down the banks because people went in to get their money out, understanding that the banks could be having a problem. And they you know, started having bank holidays saying, you know, you can't take your money out. Well, this has caused rioting in the streets and all kinds of unrest in China. And you don't really hear about this. We've I mean, heard nothing but, about that. Right. But this is exactly... You know, what has gone on for us in the Great Depression, where, you know, banks close and uh, because they don't want to run on the banks. And then we've also experienced it in the 2008-2010 era, where you had the whole mortgage collapse here in the U.S. But this is going on in China, and this is a big problem. And there's a lot of unrest there. So what does, you know, all that mean? Well, again, there's going to be continued issues in the supply chain. If there's unrest in China, people don't go to work and whatnot. And there's rioting in the streets, as there have been, and militia has been involved in it. You could see a total disruption in China, which is why you're starting to see you know, companies like Apple announce that they're trying to get chips made and phones made in India so that they're less reliant on China. China is very unsettling right now. And so anybody who has a big supply chain in China needs to be rethinking that now while they still have options, because I think this is going to be a big issue going forward. Pat, aren't we incredibly tied into the Chinese economy? Well, I mean, if you look at China, and you could easily make the argument that the United States has resourced its manufacturing operations to China. You know, cheap labor, big capacity, you know, to do things. And I've always maintained 
that this was a colossal mistake just because manufacturing has given us a huge advantage, I think, in the world dominance of economies just because we make things. And now China has, and it's no surprise that China now rivals the United States in terms of GDP and economic standing. The issue China has is that they don't have the rules and laws that the United States has to protect property. And so it's you can't get a bank loan very easily in China if you want to do business there because there's no ability to protect your rights to collateral. And so with China's government being in a disruptive stage here, arguably they're the only backers of the economy there. This could have severe ramifications to anybody doing business in China. And I think that's why you're starting to see the push of bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. I'm aware of a project that hopefully will be announced here soon about a big chip manufacturer coming into Michigan. Now, what's interesting about Michigan is, as you know, 80% of the world's fresh water supply borders our state. Sure. And I did not have an understanding that chip manufacturers require a lot of water <laughs> because of the heat that's used to make these silicone chips, up to some reports 16 million gallons a day. Wow. You know, the cool. Well, there's not that many places that can do that, but Michigan would be a great place, you know, for chips to be manufactured. You know, there's been an announcement in Arizona, too, that Intel, I think, is putting a chip manufacturing plant there. I don't know what they're going to do for water. You know, right. yeah. They just don't have the option, do they? Well, we're out of time on this segment, but man, there's so many things to be thinking about. And Pat, we're so glad you're here. We'll be right back after these messages on the Michigan Business Network. For something to grow, it takes time like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit. Because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. We're talking to Pat O'Keefe, CEO of O'Keefe, right here on the Michigan Business Network. We've got him here on the Leadership Lowdown. And, of course, the last segment we talked about what's not in the headlines. Pat, what else is not in the headlines that we're not hearing about? Well, I mean, I focused a little bit on Asia, so now let's bounce over to Europe. And, you know, what's interesting there is, you know, when they formed the EU, England didn't give up their currency. They kind of ran the euro and the pound together, and it gave England great flexibility to if they didn't like the way the European Union was going, they could withdraw, which is what they did. Which right? was the, the whole Brexit. Brexit thing, right? Yeah, whole Brexit, right. And so now Germany is, you know, the major economic force still standing. And Germany's got energy issues. So there's been some publicity about, you know, Russia supplying oil to Germany and how, you know, the Germans are cut off from much needed gas and oil to operate their economy. But there is sense right now that you're going to see Germans having to switch to biomass fuels, which is basically wood. And you can't find a wood-burning stove or lumber to burn in Germany right now because people are stockpiling in anticipation oh, yeah. that this winter they are not going to have access to adequate supplies of gas and oil. And if that happens, then you're going to have the same 
this disruption is going to be, you know, have the same impact of doing business in China. The European markets will definitely slow and potentially will be cut off. So again, if you're doing a lot of work for, let's say, you know, German OEMs, you know, which are the car makers, you may find yourself, you know, in a position where they're slowed down because they can't keep their plants open, which may hurt us here in the U.S. for tier one and tier two suppliers who supply goods overseas. And so I think there's a real issue right now in Germany, and Germany is basically holding up Europe. So if Germany starts hemorrhaging, that's going to be a real problem for the European markets. And Pat, wasn't part of that challenges with the German energy situation, wasn't that a rush to get rid of fossil fuels too quickly before they were ready for a full-on, more environmental friendly approach to energy? Yeah, so I mean, the issue there, again, you have, you know, the social activists who, you know, are totally against fossil fuels. And as I remind them, every energy source that's ever been developed has been additive for the most part and not replacing that. And energy really moves economies. And if you look at, you know, some of the economies, as I mentioned before, like China and that, access to energy really increases the standard of living for a lot of areas. So, there's a lot of talk, and I'm reading a great book now that's written by a professor who, you know, has been studying a lot of these issues that says that when you have green policies, the only people it really hurts are those in underdeveloped nations and poor people, because the price of existing fossil fuels, which we are so dependent on, tends to go up as people try to restrict the supply of it because they believe it's bad for the environment. So the issue going forward is, you know, how do we develop wind and solar or other, you know, sources of power, and then the ability to store it. I mean, the ability to store energy is probably going to be the best innovation we see in the next 10 years because it's crucial to the extent of having wind and solar as an option as an energy source. And that's been the problem, even with, you know, electric vehicles, nobody is going to charge their electric vehicle if they can't get air conditioning or heat for their house. And there's not enough power right now to do that. And people shun nuclear because of, you know, the potential catastrophic impacts if there's an accident. But the reality of it is nuclear has been relatively safe in relative terms. But, you know, there's an aversion to that. So coming up with, you know, some alternatives is going to be key. And it's going to be key, you know, for the world to continue to prosper. And the book I was talking about is called False Alarm by Bjorn Lomberg. And Bjorn is a fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford and was named one of the 100 most influential people in the world because of his work in the energy area. And it's been a good read. Mm. Well, and so one of the things I think that's really intriguing is what a business people do when they spot these types of changes on the horizon. So we're going to have to wrap up this segment here. But real quickly, Pat, your thoughts on how do business leaders take on some of those new challenges and try to be in a position where they're making good decisions about the unknown? Well, I mean, again, you know, it's a good point. You see, you know, some of these electric vehicle manufacturers, which you have a lot of, you know, auto suppliers shifting their gears to, you know, supply electric vehicles, which are still only a small fraction of the overall market. I believe that fossil fuels are not going away anytime soon. And I believe if you talk to engineers, you know, they all believe the same thing. But, you know, electric vehicles generally take a lot less parts. So you can see the auto industry shrinking a little bit, which is why you see companies get into defense or aerospace because, you know, they see the trend. But I don't believe this is going to take place as quick as everybody's hoping it is. 
Well, just, we'll uh, have to unpack that and try to figure it out because exactly right. We don't know what the future looks like, but we're glad people like you are looking over the horizon for us. And we're so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. great time today with Pat O'Keefe. He's the CEO of O'Keefe right here on the Michigan Business Network. And Pat, some of the information you shared with our Leadership Lowdown listeners is really intriguing. I just think there's so much information. And I guess continuing with our theme of what else is out there that's not in the headlines, tell me of some of the things that you're seeing that people just aren't generally talking about. Well, you know, one of the things, Vic, I'll just back up a second is, you know, I also function as the CEO of Grow Michigan, which is really designed to help finance, small businesses, growth opportunities. And so, you know, there's a couple things out there that are going to impact those going forward. And I'll start with the dollar being strong. You know, for the first time in 20 years, the dollar is on par with the euro. Actually, the euro is trading a little less than the dollar. So a strong dollar is generally good, but it also impacts, though, the foreign interest in buying American goods because they just plain cost more. And so I think you're going to see companies that depend on foreign trade, maybe have a little hemorrhaging here as a result of the dollar being strong, which, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it does impact our international sales. The other thing that has been disconcerting, so we spend a lot of time in the middle market. So we're dealing with, you know, companies under 500 million that are generally closely held. And, you know, that's, that's our sweet spots, probably in the 20 to $200 million range. And if you look at business formation, among middle market companies, a lot of those are in LLCs, subchapter S corporations, or sole proprietorships for tax purposes. And the Inflation Reduction Act, which has you know, recently been passed, is also known as the Prosperity Reduction Act among business owners because of the 15% tax that's going to be leveled against a lot of these middle market companies, which they don't have to pay now. So, I mean, the beauty of the tax entities that are formed is so that you don't pay double tax on getting money out of your company. And the government is basically taking away that and it's going to make sure that they at least get 15% of tax on your profits going forward versus having the profits pass through to the owners and them paying tax at the individual level. And so there's been a lot of compression in the middle market, I think some of the COVID laws that were put forth really hurt small businesses. I mean, 
all you have to do is travel from town to town to see the number of vacancies and strip centers, the number of restaurants that you used to go to that are no longer there, and uh, you know a number of businesses that just don't exist anymore, either because of labor shortages or you know, it's been just too tough with supply chain issues to keep the lights on. And so there's been a big reduction in that going forward. And I think rather than hurting small business formation, which I think comprises something like 70 or 80 percent of the employment in the United States, we should be promoting it. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that hurts going forward. And we pay attention to this stuff because, you know, we're trying to help business owners grow their business. And so all these headwinds you know, impact business owners' prospects. And, you know, we try to keep them informed, but we also have to assess, you know, our own risk, especially within the fund, in helping businesses out. And it's a challenge, I'll be honest with you, because there's a lot of dynamics going on. Oh, it's got to be. You know, one of the things that may not be quite on par when I was thinking about some of the challenges of these small businesses, this labor issue is strikes me as something that I see all the time, whether it's just the caliber of employee, you know, because I was at a restaurant, quite a popular one, empty tables everywhere. And it took about 20 minutes for us to be seated because they could only seat people in areas where they had staff to help serve. So I know the kitchen can take more, but the place is basically maybe 25% full. And yet people are waiting in line. Any answers on this labor thing? Any insights on that that you see changing? Well, so a lot of the free money has disappeared, you know, where people were paid to stay home. And so, you know, the thought process is is that that may motivate some people to, you know, come in and work. I can tell you, I had a case at the beginning of the year with an automotive supplier on the west side of the state, and they could not get employees to come in. And the OEM that they were servicing had two other suppliers in the area who all had the same problems. And so it wasn't just a company problem. It was an industry problem of paying people to show up to work. And, you know, I've had all kinds of companies, you know, come up with different incentives in terms of bonuses and things to entice people to work. But, you know, one of the things that has really made America great is our work ethic. I mean, yeah. and we're losing that. And so there's a lot of people that are tired of working because maybe they don't have to and they don't want to put up with the nonsense that goes on in the workplace. Others are being paid to, you know, sit at home. And we've got to get, there should be a certain honor and dignity in work that people want to strive. And it's missing today for, you know, whatever reason. And unless it changes, I think there's going to continue to be challenges, you know, to find people to do work. But the point you made about restaurants and and having empty tables, I mean, it's evident vacationing right now in northern Michigan. And I can't tell you the number of restaurants I walk into, you know, that are booked with empty tables all over the place for the very reason you cited and that they don't have the labor, you know, to take orders. And that's, I mean, think about how crazy that is. I mean, you've got business, but you can't even take the order because, (laughs) you know, the person's, you know, not there to help you do that. Well, it's like nothing we've never seen before. And it's truly stunning to me. And man, I'm really grateful, Pat, that you took time to be with us to help us sort out some of these big issues that some of our business leaders are dealing with. And thanks so much for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here with Pat O'Keefe, CEO of O'Keefe, and we're so grateful he's joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. Pat, in our last segment, we talked about some of the challenges with regard to employee employment and getting employees and going at full capacity. But, you know, there's a whole another consumer side of this equation as well, because some of us are looking for items can't be found, supply chain issues. What are your thoughts in that area? Well, there is projected to be a softness in consumer demand. And this week, all the retailers are reporting at Home Depot and Lowe's last week and Target, Macy's and Dick's Sporting Goods are all reporting. Dick's had good results yesterday. So, but the general feeling is that the consumer doesn't have as much discretionary funds as they did for two reasons. One is, you know, a lot of people were spending PPP money that they had access to, which gave them dollars to stimulate the economy. And two, the inflationary pressures, everybody's paying more for less. And so, you know, when you have to have gas to get to work or get kids to school and whatnot, your ability to spend in other areas is somewhat limited because you just don't have the resources for it. So I think the general feeling is that industries that depend on consumer demand are going to see a shortage. One of the interesting things, too, is in autos, there's you know, a big chip shortage, but that hasn't necessarily impaired, at least not totally, the sale of cars. But sometimes you see trucks and other vehicles being sold, perhaps without heated seats or other amenities that require chips, that they can still sell a drivable vehicle, oh, but it's yeah, just not sure. going to have all the amenities in it. And the result of it is, you know, cars are more expensive. I had a good friend who trades on the wholesale car market. He basically buys and converts to cash for dealers their trade-ins. And he said right now, you know, used vehicles are running about ten dollars or $12,000 higher than they've ever been on wow. a trade-in. He says, if you've got an expiring lease, he says, buy the vehicle. Because <laughs> one, you may not be able to find a replacement vehicle. Two, if you can't find it, it's going to be a lot higher than what you've been paying. And three, you know, the value of your vehicle that you currently have is worth a lot more than the dealership's going to give you credit for. So, you know, it's interesting how these things change, but it all puts pressure on consumer demand. You know, you take it to the next side of it is that, you know, with the stock market, which doesn't impact everybody, but it does impact people's 401ks and their ability to retire and the retirees, is that the last couple of years is we've had tremendous decreases in the S&P 500. And I went back and looked, and if you look at the Great Depression, 1929, the big market collapse, the market lost 86% of its value. And we didn't see anything close to that until 2007, you know, which is at the height of the financial crisis where the market dropped 57%. But if you look at the 58% between 20 and 22, you know, shows losses that are equivalent with the financial market collapse in 2007. And, you know, that is going to impact, but for the government stepping in and providing, you know, money to bolster the economy, we haven't really felt the significant impact of that. So it'll be a wait and see, but I think all situations point to consumer demand softening, which means consumer goods are going to soften, which means that will trickle through to businesses production. And, you know, we'll see what happens. 
Well, Pat, I got to tell you, you've just given us so much to think about, and there's so much information whenever we get together with you. I just can't thank you enough. If anybody wants to get a hold of you and has a reason to reach out to your organization, can you tell us how to do that? Sure. You know, you can reach us at www.okeefellc.com. So it's okeefellc.com. Or contact us in Bloomfield Hills at 248-593-4810. Well, Pat, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for being a part of this. You bring so much insight and so much wisdom to the entire effort. We're so grateful to have you and the relationship here with the Michigan Business Network. Thank you for your time, Pat. Nick, it's my pleasure. Always a pleasure to speak to you and your listeners. All the best, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. Can't wait to talk to you next time.